Hello and welcome to Heart Yoga Radio. We're on our very last Lao Tzu today. But don't worry, for those of you who like this kind of content, we will be starting on the Chang Tzu soon, or at least the good bits. Yes. <laughs> the bits <laughs> we like best. And uh, working our way through those. And maybe we'll revisit Lao Tzu again at some point in the future because we, we began this like years ago, didn't we? I, f- I forget exactly when, but it's it's been quite a while because it was yeah. 81 chapters. And so, we were, and I think we were because we're quite different now, I mean, we're, you know, so much has happened and the world has changed dramatically and mm. you know, we're different. And, you know, we I think we'd probably bring a different perspective to it I'm than sure, we did I'm, like I'm years sure ago. Really, so it might be worth even just like going right back to the beginning <laughs> and starting again. <laughs> and, uh, I, I definitely think there, there would be a cash for revisiting uh, after a... A decent interval. A decent interval, yeah. <laughs> we'll leave a decent interval, we'll start again. So before we begin, uh, just to quickly mention that uh, Pete's doing uh, some talks entitled The Apocalypse and You, coming up in October, starting October the 15th. Find the link to the website in the, the description for this uh, podcast. and All the information is there, all the juicy bits and the how-to book and pay and all that sort of stuff is there and how to get in contact with us so uh, please do investigate that because it would be lovely to meet you all right then so on with the show chapter 81 no one likes the honest truth and all fine talk falls short of it real words are never used to seduce you and those that do are no good. The one who really knows knows without books. The so-called learned know nothing. The sage holds nothing of himself back. He uses all he has for you. And that is his reward. He gives all he is. And that is why he's rich. And the Tao of Heaven feeds everything and harms nothing. And the Sage's Tao completes it without doing anything. When I read the first line of that one, is there's been so much about our, our bloody politicians here in the, the UK lying through their asses on uh, TV and in various interviews. I think, oh, wow. We certainly know who doesn't like the honest truth, don't yeah. we? Yeah. 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 I mean, maybe Lao Tzu had something in mind when he wrote that. Yeah, well, I dare say that... People uh, being manipulated through... Discourse. Yeah. And through what's said and rumour yeah. and, and actually like language, talk, you know, and fine talk. I mean, we have fine talk and we have rough talk, don't we? You know. And Lao Tzu's suspicious of fine talk, as are a, a, a good many people. You know, in fact, some of the kind of conspiracy theory stuff, I think, actually comes out of a basic suspicion. It starts off in a good place, you know, a basic suspicion of fine talk, and ends up suspecting any anything that, including like real genuine knowledge. Okay, so you, you, th- you can end up throwing the baby out with the bathwater, even though it's 
perfectly cogent to suspect fine talk and to have a suspicion of fine talk because well we, we see it on a daily basis all across our me media uh, um, we see we 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 hear fine talk all the time yeah, mellifluous big words cleverly constructed witty metaphors Boris Johnson prided himself on it, you know, and the, there was, uh, there was, the, the man couldn't open his mouth at all without a falsehood dropping out of it. Couldn't open his <laughs> mouth to yeah. pop, you know, to pop it, to eat his breakfast without some kind of horse shit coming out. Yeah. But fine talk, oh yeah. You know, schooled on the classics, you know, throw you in a bit of Greek and Latin. And it's all horse shit, uh, wall to wall. I mean, uh, in it, so actually, in the next stanza, real words are never used to seduce you, and those that do are no good. Is in full recognition of the misuse of language to persuade crowds, to persuade peoples, to persuade communities, to to persuade the mass of working people to get Brexit done, etc. Yeah, you know, and and and. And the attempt to seduce that mass of people has always been on the cards. Politics has always been haunted by, by the mob, you know, and it pretty well every era they're pushed enough the people will become extremely unruly, sometimes more easily than others. I mean, our particular lot are very, very long-suffering and patient takes quite a bit to get them out, you know. I think you have to sort of go and actively torture them, you know. But nevertheless, occasionally they do. They're out, and they, they can act in a very very unruly fashion, you know. And So there's a massive impetus on the part of the powerful to, to, to seduce with words. Hence we live in a world of propaganda and worlds of ideology. It's where we live. Worlds of ideology and propaganda. The universe is... Of, of constructed by words, you know. Now it's not as though those universities constructed by words have got no relationship to the world that we live in, because they do. Because we still seek facts, we still seek to observe and understand through observing, and to understand and arrive at knowledge. You might say, by letting the world speak for itself and by making it the arbiter of whether something's true or false, at least in that realm of attempting to gain knowledge about the world you know so and we're having this argument all the time we're having this uh, in, in the modern world you know uh, mainly because of, of where epistemology has got up to and science has got up to where, where at the point that it's at in its millennia long musings it's reached the point where it's thinking well this science lark which operates by looking at the world making hypotheses about it, testing the, working out how to test the hypotheses by doing experiments on the world or on some aspect of the world. And uh, it, it coming back with some kind of a, um, a, a, an answer, you know, some kind of a description or even perhaps a mathematical description that enables you make, to make some predictions. So we're in that kind of position that we, that this stuff, so we found this approach of realising that not everything is a matter of opinion, not everything is a projection of our psyches, that we can we can appeal to the world 
to determine whether we're right or wrong about certain things. It doesn't work for everything. This is the problem. It doesn't work for everything. It's got no purchase on our evaluations. Well, it's not no purchase. It has a little purchase on our evaluations because we, we, we always need to refer them to you know, the, facti the facticity of the world as well. But we reached, reached a point where the science is so powerful that you'd think we'd be, we, 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 would, we would be hardline empiricists. Um, and, and yet, uh, and yet the, the philosophers have, have told us that, that yeah, yet it's immensely powerful, but that's all that it is. You know, I mean, I remember seeing a TV program many years ago, and I, and the guy put this program on to to arrive at the conclusion, having surveyed loads and loads of modern scientific developments, and coming to the conclusion that uh, uh, science is true because it's powerful. It's not powerful because it's true. You know. The tri the, 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 and, and certainly in the philosophy of science and the, the epistemological end of it, uh, uh, well, and at the sociological end, end of philosophy of science, you come to the conclusion that actually, yeah, the base isn't that solid. We would like it to be, but it, but it isn't, you know. But nevertheless, this is this is the, the amazingly powerful and predictive, and we're going to give it a lot of weight for that reason, you know. And, and and that's partly like the the situation that we're in because words can be used to seduce you. And if you're going to seduce somebody, you make those words as fine as you can. Simply out of the impetus towards seduction, you make those words as fine as you can. But he's wanting to say, actually, you know, r real words aren't like that. The truth might not sound very fine. The truth might actually sound quite rough. Might be quite down home. Might be quite colloquially expressed you know yeah. I mean some truths are shit happens you know is one in it you know in little proverbs it's this colloquial gritty language rooted in the world you know and this is exactly our situation now of course that the, 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 the propaganda the ideology the seductive words are deafening because they're coming from every angle because our scientific Ability to predict has enabled us to, to build a worldwide uh, network of communications so that every being on the planet almost is inundated with assertions about what they should do, how they should think, how they should feel, who they should vote for, what should buy, what should buy, what should definitely buy, what if you don't buy, you'll be a nobody. Endlessly, 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 you know, at this massively, uh, at this massive speed, which is a thousandfold what it was, you know, even, even at, the, at the early part of my life, not even that, you know, not that long ago, certainly, you know, I mean, the telegraph was a big deal at the back end of the 19th century, you know, it looked Morse code, tap, 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 you know, ticker type, etc., you know. So, let's see, was, was bewailing his situation when, it, when gossip spread at about a mile a year, <laughs> you know. And now we've got like a trillion items of gossip spreading uh, every nanosecond. How kind of alarmed should we be? <laughs> if he was alarmed then, it is little kind of tiny problem, problem around discourse compared with what we've got now, you know. I mean, we're at the same place, but just a trillion times more intense. The speed of the information 
the, the, the epistemological uh, dead end, you might say, or... Um, All the, and, and, and philosophically, all the temptations to, to, to relativism, which paradoxically arise at the same time as science itself becomes more and more and more and more and more powerful, you know, and endowed with the, the status of truth in virtue of its power, its predictive power, its power to make our lives comfortable. All that in the first four lines. So, yeah, again, it speaks to us now, as it spoke then, uh, uh, which is the remarkable thing that, I, that I've drawn out of this uh, engagement with, with the lights, uh, you know, it's this time that has kind of come to the fore for me. It's just how uh, there's so much that applies now, you know, and, and in fact, how political the, the, the text is and, and spiritual wallers haven't wanted, wanted it to be because politics is dirty, spirituality is pure. Pure, you see, but Lao Tzu actually says, "No, you're not. I'm not letting you separate the two things. No, no, you're not doing that." Which is brilliant. It's utterly brilliant. We'll move on. The one who really knows knows without books. The so-called learned know nothing. Which is he who speaks does not know. He who knows does not speak. But again, as, as well as a suspicion of fine words, a suspicion of book learning, and again. Certainly where I come from, there was a suspicion of book learning, you know, and a suspicion of fine words. As a matter of, like, working-class resistance to, to the toffs telling them how it is, you know. <laughs> and um, it, 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 it's, it's right, you know, to be suspicious of it. I mean, it's perfectly possible to be um, massively learning vis-a-vis -vis books and, and deeply, deeply unwise. In terms of terms of living, or even in terms of understanding at a very abstract kind of level, you know the kind of kind of stuff that philosophers get themselves tangled up in, can be sort of glossed in a certain way. You can have like an, an idiot savant understanding of, of of thousands of texts. I mean, there are people who can re remember a text and tell you at the fourth. You can say to them, "What's the fourth word on page hundred and two? It's a rare phenomenon, but it's a real one. And they'll say, yeah, that's a but, that's but, or that's green, you know. They have, can have such a... But there's no... There's no, there's no sort of wisdom, knowledge, understanding in, in, in there. So, but learning, you have to be careful. Also, of course, uh, uh, the world now again produces trillions and trillions of texts every day, far more than it used to. It doesn't take a year now to copy, to make one copy of a book by having half a dozen monks transcribe it with quill pens no the, 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 we don't even have to write our own books now robots will do it you know <laughs> yeah. and um, yeah. you know so book learning is, is even should come under even more suspicion now because maybe I don't know what a percentage would be but my guess would be at least three quarters of the stuff that's put out in the form of text books articles newspapers is utter, utter shit it's fantasy it's mistaken. It's not grounded in fact where it needs to be. It's when it makes evaluation, evaluations and interpretations. It does it ineptly and in in the light of really, really shitty values. Shitty anti people values as well. You know. And, and Nietzsche made this point. 
that every book's a confession by the author and I read everything like that to be honest and I always have done everything's a confession you know and uh, of course the upshot of that is that in every text every every bit of book learning is all is also a pathology it's also a set of symptoms to be read off to figure out what was wrong with this person (laughs) (laughs) you know I and I think that's, see, that's, yeah. that's kind of why, I mean, that's what I call the, uh, the hermeneutics of suspicion, that you read with care, right? And, and you take this warning seriously. It's not like don't read, don't study. You need to, you know, you, 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 need, you, need, you need to get reliable facts about the situation you're in. You can't interpret it without that sort of basis of, of, of um, formulations of states of affairs in the world and the way that they relate to each other, you know. And the processes of the world is really what needs to be observed, measured, understood, and, and absorbed by people. And this is generally through books and uh, books, texts, whatever. So it's not like don't read. It's it's understand what you can do with reading or what you can't do with reading, which is what he's telling us. And uh, of course, we meet we meet many learning people who do know nothing. Again, you know the mellifluous, the mellifluous, those who can sprinkle Latin and Greek. Here, there, and everywhere, you know. Somebody who just has a gift for a turn of phrase, because you can turn a phrase that make you a fucking Buddha, or even an Einstein. <laughs> In fact, you might be very poor at turning a phrase, and you have something to to offer humanity that that's absolutely crucial, and a once in a lifetime and a once in a millennium offering. But you might be completely dumb, and you might stutter. So we've got it. We've got. We've got to understand that flu- fluency and su- seductiveness and rhetorical power and oratory are not measures of wisdom. Similarly, book learning is not is not a measure of understanding either. It's important in its own way, but it's not a measure of understanding. And he's right. The guy's right about many things. Yeah. The sage, and now of course we move on to the person of the sage. There's a massive concern throughout of the personality of the sage, the makeup of the sage, the, the psyche of the sage, the way of being in the world of the sage. And the sage holds nothing of himself back. He uses all, all that he has for you, and that is his reward. He gives it all that he is, and that is why he's rich. And it, I suppose this is the altruism. By now, we should be realising the sage is pretty is pretty unconcerned with the the materialistic affairs of the world. He, he's not that bothered about status. He's not that bothered about having loads of things. I'm presuming we quite likes to be reasonably comfy and wants 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 to live until he until he no longer can and all the rest of it. But basically, other than that, he's not bothered. You know, he's he's concerned with his uh, with his his contemplation and his enjoyment of of life in in a very simple and straightforward way and with his his study his observation you know as I've said before Taoism perhaps unlike other spiritualities which can be very very internal to the point that they denigrate looking at the world at all this guy looks around he meditates and he looks around and he observes which which is I say why why Taoism grew uh, had had an outgrowth of, of a science you know of a genuine an extremely practical scientific aspect that grew out of out of this, because let's say somebody who looks around. So that 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 is compensation 
for, for, for being alive. But his other compensation is the fact that he gives of himself, you know. Uh, and uh, it, that is, as he says, that is its reward. And of course, it's the old ad, you know, goodness is its own reward. You know, we have all these little proverbs. But it, but but it, it, he's actually pointing to the to, to the, the the satisfaction in giving it out, you know, in not holding himself back with saying with um, communicating to his fellows the, the the insights and the results of of his meditations, and that is a kind of richness. And it, uh, I mean, it is, it is, you know the. The the thing the things of the the world as we know it you know the the possessions the status symbols, the very long numbers in your bank account, I mean all well, that's kind of hollow, don't even come into the same ballpark as the satisfaction in feeling that alignment with the day when you when when you, when you sit and look out look at look at the waves coming in or sit and watch the clouds scudding over you know it's not it's not in the same ballpark even you know it's it's vastly inferior. Uh, use for a human life, you know. And he's right. He's he's, he's right. Right about that. And it it, it I mean, there's a, there is an there is another aspect of this point, and it is that if you happen upon the the alignment with the Tao, you have will you willy nilly have to express it. You willy nilly have to give it out. It's like a part of the package. It, it demands it of you that you that you give it out, that you express it. And it, but it's in the expressing of it that it intensifies, deepens, becomes more profound, becomes more more revealing. And and in that sense, that one's riches become greater the more one gives of it, the the richer one becomes. You know. It sounds like counterintuitive, or a little bit um, s sloppily kind of proverbial you know and wishful thinking but actually no there is something very solid going going on there about what makes a satisfying human life moving on and the dough of heaven feeds everything and harms nothing And the sages do completes it without doing anything. Again, he's emphasising the the process nature. You know that all this all this do gooding on the part of the sage, which can kind of make you go, "Oh, it's a bit of a do gooder." You know, there's something a bit kind of icky about a certain kind of self-regarding do gooding. I think people recognise that. But Lao Tzu saying this isn't that. The work of the sage in the world isn't isn't do good do good in so that he can kind of feel good about himself. It does provide a satisfaction, but it's the satisfaction of expressing so that more comes in, so that more passes through, so that the alignment with the Tao becomes more profound, more intricate, more deep. Let's who's not letting us congratulate ourselves or feed our egos with those kind of performances of, of doing good. Because it isn't it isn't the sage that does it, it's the Tao that does it, it's the sage's Tao that does it, it's not the sage's ego that does it, it's the sage's Tao that does it. And the and the and the Tao 
does everything by doing nothing. It is just, it's just there. It's just, it, it's, it's the process we call existence or being. We call it being, you know, but that's rather too static a term, you know. Um, but it's, a, it's, it's an endless becoming, an endless movement, which at the same time, it's just itself. There is no agent in there to be that which does the doing, you know. In fact, our, our uh, notion that there must be something in there that does the doing, you know, is, is, is actually an efflorescence of the, the, of the kind of language that they speak, which is structured around, just for pragmatic, because it pragmatically works between subject and object, a doer for every deed, a dreamer for every dream, a cause for every effect, a holder of every belief, a performer of every religious practice, and so on. This is built into language, you know. I do, I, the entity doing the verb, the doing, I do, he does, you know, or God creates the universe because we can't get our heads around the notion that nothing created it, that it doesn't have to be created or that it can create itself or why does there have to be an agent? Well, because language convinces us so, but language is an artifact that we've created over generations. So, how can it claim, on that basis, it, it, it's kind of claim that it somehow carries the absolute ontology of the world within it is, is a little bit kind of dodgy. Again, one should apply some suspicion to that too. And Lao Tzu does so by saying, the Tao feeds everything, but it harms nothing. And the sage is a part of that process because he has attuned himself with the Tao. But he does nothing. Because the Tao does nothing. Because the idea of something doing something is, 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 is a little bit of seduction that fine words have given you. So that's chapter 81, the final chapter in the Tao Te Ching. I think it's quite a nice rounding up there, bringing, bringing back the main themes, non-doing, the Tao isn't an agent, <laughs> or, 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 the, or the subjective activity, it's process rather than things, that a human being can align themselves with this great process, because they are a part of it anyway, and that was, and it would be self-discovery too. To, so to do it wouldn't be imposing something new on yourself it would be self-discovery it would just be finding your link to the universe and being with it and going where going along with that that discovery and seeing where it takes you and then of course he uh, led to again in this chapter is also showing us the ways in which we can as he puts it fall short of this wonderful promise that we have and I think in this current historical juncture as a species, we're falling far, far short of this, this insight. And many of the pathologies that Lao Tzu likes to draw attention to, which take us away from our birthright, the Tao, are absolutely running amok in our current time. So as you say, a nice one to end on.
kind of tying things together. We're going to give Lao Tzu a big hug as we stand <laughs> on his garden path <laughs> and uh, look into his eyes and, and tell him how grateful we are for everything that he did <laughs> and what he gave us. And he'll just like quietly giggle to himself. And then we'll, we'll walk down, his, down the path away from his, his little house, wave goodbye and uh, shout that we'll see you, see you again soon. Mm. I'm sure we will. We'll be mm. back. <laughs> so I hope that was interesting for everybody. And I hope you're all well. And we'll speak to you again soon. <laughs>